The Baltimore Ravens saw plenty of contributions from plenty of players during the 2023 season, but who was a stud and who was a dud? We talk about that and so much more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker, Ravens Wire, coming to you from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for being here, making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day. We're free and available all podcasting platforms that includes in video form on YouTube and audio form wherever you get your podcasts. We are five days a week here on Locked On Ravens, Monday through Friday, plus bonus content, and we are in video form. So if you're here on the channel on YouTube, be sure to subscribe, hit that like button as well if you're enjoying the content. If you're an audio form, you're an audio listener, wherever you're listening, be sure to follow along, subscribe there as well. Same show, both audio and video, Ravens news analysis updates, and a lot more here. We're five days a week, even in the off season. So we're year-round on this show. So thank you for tuning in. If you're an everyday, you're listening to me every single day. Appreciate you as always. If you're new to the channel, welcome in. If you're hopefully enjoying the content here, be sure to subscribe. And if you're somewhere in the middle, I appreciate you too. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Prize Picks. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use code to lowercase locked on NFL for a first boss match up to $100. Be sure to tell a friend, tell a family member about this show too. Word of mouth still is a thing. I know it's the, it's the age of social media. Speaking of which, you can follow me over on Twitter and on Instagram at chaosstriker 34 If you're an Instagram person, you use Instagram, I'm trying to start that back up. So it's a process, but we're working on it here. It's going to be a process for the Ravens to rebuild their team after, you know, already they've lost a ton of coaches and Free agency is going to be a doozy for them in terms of not bringing guys back and who leaves, who they end up bringing in, trades, draft, whatever it may be. It's going to be interesting. It's not going to be the same team as it was in 2023. But look, no two teams are the same. We've talked about that here before on this show. So today we're going to be diving into studs and duds. Who impressed during 2023? Which players did not? Who was who was a stud? Who was a dud? So we'll, we'll we'll structure the show by doing offense, defense, and so we'll do offense in the first segment, defense in the second segment. Plus, we'll, we'll scatter in coaches also in the, the second segment. So it'll be defense, special teams, coaches. And then we'll talk a little bit. The, the fifth-year option conversation has started to come up a little bit more about Rashad Bateman and Adafi Owe. So we'll talk about that, and then we'll have more of a dedicated episode to it probably in the coming weeks here, whether it's next week or a couple weeks from now, whenever that deadline is, I'll have to look up when the actual deadline is. But we'll talk about that more, but I just, I just want to start the conversation today because it was definitely a talking point on social media. So let's start with the offense studs and duds from this season. I mean, look, if, if you want to, <laughs> you want to start off this whole, let's kick it off with Lamar Jackson, right? AFC championship game aside and a couple other moments here and there, Lamar was an absolute stud. He's going to win his second MVP here today. I mean, there's no doubt about that in my mind. Jackson took a lot of leaps forward, and I, I understand that this is a what have you done for me now lately league, and really what we all are thinking about, what what's the what's the freshest thing in people's minds? Well, it is the AFC Championship, but I think we have to take a step back from that and just appreciate what Lamar Jackson did this season. 307 out of 457 completions versus attempts for a 67.2 completion percentage. 
3,678 yards, 24 touchdowns, seven interceptions on the season. And of course, you got to take into account the rushing as well for Lamar. He had 148 attempts for 821 yards and five touchdowns. And he, he, he was a beast any way you look at it, throwing the ball. I thought we saw much more poise Lamar Jackson, a much more confident Lamar Jackson. He led this team to the, well, I'm going to give him a 13 and three record because he did not play in that last Steelers game to make it 13 and four. But Lamar was, he passed a ton of tests this season. And I think you can, if you're Lamar, you, you can build off so much from this past season. You, you also have areas you can improve on if you're Lamar, right? I think the deep ball accuracy is a definite area that a lot of people have circled, myself included. And we kind of talked a little bit about this week about how just him controlling the game himself instead of, you know, having stuff go the way that maybe he wants this way and then he doesn't do something that he needs to that way. I think that there are areas, but Lamar did so many good things this season. And we saw the efficiency for Lamar in terms of the entire offense. I mean, this team was going down the field in two minutes and 50 seconds, five plays, 75 yards. It, it was an efficient offense for the Ravens. And look, you look at the stats, Lamar's touchdowns, you know, people are going to say, oh, well, what do you mean? He, he only, he didn't even have that many touchdowns. He only had 29 total. Well, well, Put into context a little bit, right? Gus Edwards had 13 touchdowns on the season. A lot of those came from within five yards, within 10 yards of the end zone. Lamar could have had a lot more this season. It was just a product of the game and how it was going. If you watched Lamar, the eye test with Lamar, you knew that the stuff he was doing was special, dynamic plays. He looked like the MVP. And while he didn't throw for 5,000 yards and 40 passing touchdowns this season, he, he made an impact in so many different ways. He was the most viable player on the field, and I still believe he is the most viable player in the NFL. But, again, people are going to remember the championship game, but I, I do I did just want to take a step back there because Lamar's season was great. It was a phenomenal year, and it's almost like I said back in 2019, right? I mean, we're not going to remember this season the way that we should. It's always going to be kind of a sore spot because of how the season ended, and some of the plays that we saw from Lamar, the exceptional, I mean, that crazy play he had. He had two crazy, unreal plays against Kansas City in that championship game, not to mention all the other ones he had throughout the year. And some of them, you know, we won't look back on with with not the same joy. I think we're going to look back on and say, man, that was crazy. But we're always going to remember, man, that's what happened in the H championship game. I think Justice Hill was a stud for me, too. Obviously, Keaton Mitchell falls in this category as well. Both Justice Hill and Keaton Mitchell, two of the unsung heroes here. I thought I thought Gus had a solid season. I, I, I'm not saying Gus wasn't good this year, but I, Justice and Keaton really impressed me, both of them. We'll start with Keaton. Goes down with the injury against Jacksonville, but look, seemed like every single play that he got the ball, every single touch he had, he was going for 15 yards, 12 yards, 20 yards. He, he was incredible. Averaged 8.4 yards per attempt on 47 carries. He was second to Devon A-Chain for Miami in a lot of different categories there. And it's not just the yards per attempt he had. I mean, he was doing great things in the receiving game, 8.5 yards per target. He had 8.7 yards per touch, which is still really impressive. And, you know, receivers, depending on the touches, you know, those yards, they can be a little easier to come by in, in droves. So yards per touch, it, it might be a little easier for, you know, receivers like Odo Beckham at 16.1 yards per touch. And, Rashad Bateman at 11.7, but Keaton Mitchell just blew the doors off for me. He was speedy. He was electric. He had vision. He had a ton of things that I was really impressed with. Plus the physicality he had too. He was 
ripping yards off after contact. He was awesome for them. And Justice Hill, again, Keaton was so good, he kind of took Justice's role away. But Justice was really good for, for the entire year. I know there were some mesh point issues at the beginning there, but I still thought that he played really well also. Zay Flowers, obviously a stud, right? Obviously a stud. He broke multiple Ravens rookie receiving records, finished the year with 77 receptions, 858 yards in those five touchdowns, was second on the team in receiving touchdowns where he was tied for it with Isaiah Likely. Mark Andrews led the bunch, led everybody with six. But Flowers showed a lot. I understand the Asian Championship game happened, young moments, learning moments for a young player. But to me, Flowers showed that he is wide receiver one material, and, and that to me, he's going to be an incredible player here for years to come. Nelson Aguilar, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give Nelson Aguilar the stud. I'm going to put him in the stud category. Aguilar got a lot of flat when he was first signed. The stats aren't going to blow you away. 35 receptions, 381, and four touchdowns. But he was a veteran presence, came up with really timely catches. I was really impressed with Nelson Aguilar. Now, two duds for me on the offensive side of the ball, Odo Beckham Jr. and Rashad Bateman. I'm not saying they had terrible years, but based off of the expectations a lot of people put on those guys, their seasons were dud seasons. Rashad Bateman and Odell both had to miss some time towards the beginning of the season. Rashad finished with 32 catches, 367 yards, and one touchdown. And Odo Beckham had 35 receptions for 565 in three touchdowns. I, I think that, again, we saw positive moments out of those guys, but I was, I was, I was expecting a little more, if we're being honest. I was just expecting more. And maybe Bateman breaks out next season. You know, maybe Beckham comes back on a cheaper one-year deal and, and – has a better year, but to me, those seasons were a little underwhelming. Now, Odell was an awesome veteran presence in the locker room. Rashad Bateman, you know, wasn't necessarily he he was he was good. I mean, he had some great moments, but expectation-wise, I think a lot of people expected Zay and Rashad to break out alongside each other with Odell as kind of this veteran guy who gets his career back on track. And not that Odell didn't get it. I think Odell showed a lot this season and Rashad too, but it just it wasn't up to the expectations I had for him. Another stud to me is Isaiah Likely. I mentioned he was tied for the second most touchdowns on this team with five, but he absolutely just popped off once Mark Andrews went down. Really impressed by him. He is going to be, I mean, he's never going to be tight end one on this team considering Mark Andrews is still there. I mean, if Andrews goes, then obviously he will be, but you have a quality one-two punch there with Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews. Isaiah Likely was a stud this year, absolute dog there. Offensive line-wise, we know Kevin Zeitler, Tyra Linderbaum, those were studs. Both those guys were awesome. John Simpson was okay. I mean, had some up-and-down moments throughout the season. Morgan Moses was okay also. I I'd probably have him trending more towards the dud category, but I thought he was all right. Ronnie Stanley, to me, was a dud this season, just based off of the contract and other expectations for him. I understand he was injured, but again, it's, it's just the way it goes, where he didn't play up to the level that a lot of people thought he still could. And look, he's dealt with injuries, coming back from the ankle, had some knee stuff this season, and looked he looked good in the Texans game, but had a lot of moments down the stretch where he just was not good enough. So to me, Ronnie Stanley definitely a dud here for the Ravens. Coming up, though, in the second part of the show, we'll be diving in to the studs and duds on the defensive side of the ball, plus some special teams and coaches sprinkled in. Stay tuned a lot to get to Unlocked on Ravens. 
First, this show is sponsored by Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have the lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drives and great escapes. Class exclusive Google built-in is your always updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Gone are the days of connecting your phone, Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch touchscreen infotainment system. The 2024 Rogue is the perfect mid-size crossover for your next adventure. Plus, Nissan's incredible lineup also includes 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. It has room for up to eight, an expansive cargo capacity, and advanced available 4x4 capability. With 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds towing, when adventure calls, the Pathfinder is there to answer. Take the Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or the Nissan Armada and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. We're back for our second segment, Locked on Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still talking with you here on this Thursday. It's, it's a taco Thursday, right? I hope everybody's enjoying it, and hopefully a good weekend is planned ahead. I know Super Bowl Sunday's coming up. Unfortunately, the Ravens will not be in it, and it just, just doesn't feel right to me. We're talking offseason here on this show, but let's get into the studs and does defensively. And then again, we'll sprinkle special teams and coaches in at the end of this segment. Starting on the defensive line, I mean, we have to start with Justin Matabike, don't we? Just one of the, one of the best interior pass rushing seasons we have seen from a Ravens interior pass rusher. He was incredible this season. Took such a leap, thirteen sacks, and someone that again his his strong suit is not in the run game. I thought he was okay. There were definitely a bunch of room for improvement. Not not the best year I've seen from a, from a run defender as a defensive lineman, but the pass rush was it's it's so rare to find interior pass rush and consistent interior pass rush. I'd be shocked if the Ravens let Matabike go. There's the conversation about the franchise tag, and if they did put the franchise tag on him, I'm not sure Matabike plays on it, but if they do put it on him, they would have until I believe it's July to go and actually work out an extension with him. So if they franchise tag him, it's almost like Lamar last year, right? They franchise tagged him with the hope of getting the extension done before everything started up with, with training camp and whatnot. And they did. So maybe it's the same thing with Matabike where it personally, look, if I'm just Matabike, I'm not playing on the franchise tag. Long-term stability coming after a career year like that, a historic year like that. I'm trying to take advantage of every penny, every dollar I can get. So I think Matabike is awesome. He was, a, he was a great piece for their defensive line this year. And look, he won really hard and he had a pass rushing plan. Credit to Anthony Weaver and Chuck Smith and all those guys, Mike McDonald for working with him. But for me, I think it's it's such hopefully what will be the start of something big for Matabike for his career. I wouldn't expect, I mean, this, this is who Matabike is. He broke out. The potential was there. He was scratching at the surface. And now we see what he's capable of. I think Travis Jones was a late riser for me. Travis Jones was a late stud for me. Again, the stats aren't going to pop off the page for him. He only had, it was only 36 tackles, one and a half sacks. But to me, this is somebody that I think would be a big part of Baltimore's rotation in the future. Showed great chops in the run game. Mentioned in the pass game or pass rushing game. Had some great moments too. So I think Travis Jones has a lot of potential. And he he was a late stud to me. Now, Michael Pierce is someone that I've been a big fan of for a long time. I thought Pierce was awesome this season. 42 tackles, had a sack. But he was, he was uh, just wreaking havoc all over the place. You couldn't afford to not double team him. He would use his brute strength to get into the opposing backfield and and impose his will run game. He he also is one of the better pass rushing nose tackles in the league. So he he was getting pressure while it only translated to one sack this season. He was still really good in that regard. And I, I'm a big Michael Pierce guy. So 
I'm happy he's back for this upcoming year. Now, now a guy that I, I expected more from, honestly, and I, I thought was a bit of a dud this year, Broderick Washington. Not that he was bad. I, I just didn't really notice him a lot on the field this year. I don't know if I'm the only one that feels the same, feels this way about it, but it's not like Washington was liable for a lot of bad plays or like had a lot of bad moments. I just, I just didn't notice him a lot. You, you look, you look at the the stats here. Washington only had 18 tackles and two sacks on the season, had five quarterback hits, but it just, it just felt like he wasn't very noticeable to me on the field this season. Again, not to say he played poorly, but I just expected more of him signing that three-year extension with the team before the season started. I just didn't notice him, don't notice him as much as I thought I would. So again, it's, it's no disrespect, or I'm not saying he was this terrible player for him this year. I just, I just thought it was going to be a little different for his year this year. Outside linebacker-wise, I mean, look, we got to give credit where it's due here to Jadavian Clowney and Kyle Van Noy. Both those guys, Clowney signed, what, three weeks before the season started? Van Noy, three weeks after the season started. Both those guys have almost 10 sacks on the season, nine plus each. I mean, what else can you say? Those guys were a big part of why Baltimore's pass rush were what it was. Clowney had a career resurgence. Van Noy, I think Van Noy is somebody that I didn't have as many questions going in with. I thought Van Noy was going to be the steady guy for him. But Clowney had a lot of questions coming in and big credit to him. I think Clowney was awesome for them this year, both on the field and in the locker room. I mean, same thing with Van Noy. I give a shout out to Adafi Owe too. I'm not saying he was the, the biggest stud on the team this year, but I think we saw improvement. He had five sacks this season, and I think we saw him, again, have a better plan this year. The pressures were there. Some of the advanced metrics were there for him. So I'll, I'll give a shout out to, to Adafi Owe there. I also think for me, inside linebacker, Patrick Queen and Roquan, those two guys, again, absolute studs. You know, <laughs> That's really all I have to say about them. They're, they're such good players. Roquan is one of the best, if not the best, middle linebackers in this league. And with Patrick Queen there, they make up one of the best, if not the best, middle linebacker duos in the league. Both were physical. Both were fast. Both imposed their will. Both, you know, Roquan turned into that vocal leader, right, breaking down the pregame huddles and everything. But I thought Patrick Queen grew a little bit in that regard, too. I thought, I thought Queen... If, if he leaves this offseason, there's going to be opportunities for him to lead a defense. And I think he's going to take a lot of what he saw from Roquan and heard from Roquan this year. And he applied it a little bit this year, too. So those two guys, incredible years for both of those. Secondary-wise, let's start corner. Brandon Stevens, 100% Brandon Stevens gets, gets the stud label from me. He was incredible. Had, had to flip-flop all throughout his career, dating back to college and figuring out where he belonged on an NFL field, on a football field. He, he found his calling at corner, shut down Jamar Chase multiple times this season, was tasked when Marlon Humphrey was out with guarding and locking down the top receiving options on multiple teams and multiple good receiving options. And he did. It wasn't a perfect year for him, but he was somebody that absolutely made a name for himself. I'm trying to sign him to an extension of him. The Ravens, as I've said yesterday, get him, get him under contract yesterday. I'm really happy for Brandon Stevens, Ronald Darby, Arthur Millette. Those two guys were awesome. I had questions about Millette coming into the season Seemed like he was kind of, you know, ousted in Pittsburgh and wasn't really great. But look, the Ravens have been known to kind of have these vets come in and have career resurgences. And Arthur Millette was awesome for them in the slot, provided really high quality play there, blitzed off the edge effectively. And then Ronald Darby had one of the better seasons for all outside corners this year. Across the board, every outside corner, Ronald Darby was top five in a lot of categories, top five in some metrics there. So Darby, extremely underrated Marlon Humphrey's season was a bit underwhelming. I'm, I'm not going to go as far as to call him a dud. I think he was still good when he was on the field. Obviously, injuries played a part in him not being there. But look, other guys stepped up 
and performed with him out. Now, safety-wise, Kyle Hamilton, <laughs> got to start with Kyle Hamilton, absolute stud, second-year All-Pro, checked every box. He, he is already one of the best safeties, if not the best safety in the league, and it's just, it's just finished up a second year. It's incredible to me. And then you have Geno Stone, who stepped in for Marcus Williams, who I will say Williams to me was a bit of a dud this year. But for Geno Stone, still so, somebody that went out, played well, and probably earned himself not only a big payday, but a starting role somewhere. So I'm, re I'm really excited for him. And then special teams-wise, obviously Justin Tucker. I know the 50-plus was a little iffy, but you still got to call him a stud. Still very automatic for the most part. Jordan Stout had a down year. More on the dud side than a stud side, but he, he ended up having a couple of really nice punts throughout the year. And then let's do coaches. John Harbaugh, I mean, I, I get that people are all on what happened in the championship game, and I, I am too. It's unacceptable. But he got this team ready to play, and for the most part. There were some times this year he did not, like the Colts game and the Steelers game, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, I feel like, he led this team to a 13 and four record, 13 and three. If we take out the, uh, take out that Pittsburgh game. So Harbaugh for the most part, this season was a stud, but definitely did have some dud moments in there. Todd Munkin, I thought it was a stud for the most part this year. I, I he was probably more in the middle because he had his offense to take a little time to get up to speed. Some of the play calling was suspect at times. Mike McDonald though was an absolute stud. And everybody knows that Mike McDonald was a stud. Unfortunate to see him go to Seattle, but he did his thing this season. Coming up in the final part of the show, we'll talk about the fifth year option conversation a little bit with Rashad Bateman and Lafay always stay tuned. It's plenty to get to on the show. First, this show is sponsored by Robin Hood. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robin Hood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robin Hood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robin Hood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robin Hood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. Their offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024, validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to RRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of the first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker-dealer. We're back rounding out Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still talking with you here on this Thursday. Again, thanks so much for tuning in today. I know it, it's tough, still tough, after the Ravens lost the Asian Championship game. So you tuning in today, listening to me talk about this team, it means a lot because some people don't. You know, some people will come back after a week or two or a month or two or maybe just for the offseason they're done. But if you're sitting here listening to me today, your support means the world. Be sure to subscribe if you're enjoying the content here. Five days a week of Ravens content, YouTube, audio form, the whole nine yards at the like button on YouTube. We also do live shows after every piece of Ravens big news where I interact with the chat. So if you want to hit the notification bell on YouTube, you can. That also is up in audio form after the fact. Again, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at chaosstriker 34 Really appreciate that as well. There was a conversation going around yesterday on social media. The 33rd team put out an article of all the projected fifth-year option numbers. And the fifth-year option, it changed the way it worked a couple of years ago to playtime incentives and what 
that can do to a contract, that fifth year option. It can it can boost it up based off of Pro Bowls, All Pros, etc. for first round picks. So for the Ravens, the fifth year option is coming up. Obviously, the big one last year was Patrick Queen. They declined that one. Well, for this year, it's going to end up being Rashad Bateman and Dafe Owe for the Ravens, and both those guys are on the basic tier of what it is. What is the fifth year option nowadays? Now each position group is different, but for Rashad Bateman. He was the 27th overall pick for the Ravens. His fifth-year option value is projected to be 13.784, so $13.8 million. And for Adafi Owe, he's also on the basic plan, and his fifth-year option value is supposed to be 12.175, so $12.2 million. Now, if I I had to guess what was going to go on here with how the Ravens handle this, I would expect the Ravens to – probably go the route of picking up Oway's option and declining Bateman's option. And there are a couple reasons for it. I think Oway has shown, not that Bateman hasn't shown anything, but I think there's just been more production from Oway. Where look, if if you decline Rashad Bateman's option, he goes out and balls out, you can re-sign him, right? You can do that. For Oway, I think he might outplay that $12.2 million this year. And pass rushers can be really hard to find. And if you go and, and you can't find a, find a guy like that, it's going to be hard. Always someone that has a lot of potential. I'd personally pick up that option, and then I'd probably decline Bateman's. N- nothing against Rashad Bateman. But again, if he balls out, you can re-sign him. That's another interesting conversation about you know finding pass rushers versus finding wide receivers. Not that either is easy to find, but I think you can go out there and sign a receiver, and it will be a little easier to get immediate production out of a receiver as opposed to, to a pass rusher. And, you know, maybe other people feel a different way about that, but I just feel like there are more NFL ready receivers than NFL ready pass rushers at this point, whether it's veterans or even younger guys you can bring in. So for Bateman, I think to me, he hasn't done enough at the NFL level. He hasn't shown me enough. He's shown stuff, but he hasn't shown me enough for me to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, if I'm the Ravens, I'm going to pay him $13.8 million next year, essentially almost $14 million. I personally, that to me is a little steep. I think for Owe, I, I can definitely get on board with what Baltimore could do with Owe with a fifth year, another year to develop. And that's not to say that if either one of those options is declined, that Owe and Bateman couldn't come back to the Ravens. But it's an interesting conversation because Baltimore declined Patrick Queen's fifth year option. And at the time, it felt like the right move for both parties. But Clearly, you know, Patrick Queen balled out, and I think the Ravens wish they had that decision back right now because he's going to get a payday, and and the Ravens are better with Patrick Queen on their team. So we're going to see what happens with Oway and Bateman. Again, my my prediction is probably Bateman gets declined, Oway gets accepted, and then you just kind of play it by year with Bateman and see how it goes. I I think Bateman's awesome. He he was I was ecstatic when they got him. It's just been an unfortunate situation for him with the injuries and lack of chemistry with Lamar and he he's gotten open. I think Bateman's stats do not justify the whole story with him. We've seen multiple clips. We saw it throughout this year where he was getting open, but Lamar just couldn't find him or wasn't finding him. So I think the stats don't tell the whole story with Bateman, but I think with what we've seen from him, if you decline the option, he balls out again, go resign him. But at this point, my prediction is away gets accepted and Bateman gets declined. That's all I have here today, though, on Lockdown Ravens. Thanks so much for tuning in again. Be sure to subscribe to the channel, follow along in audio form, follow me on social media, subscribe on subtext as well. That'll be in the link in the description for more exclusive Ravens content. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be rounding out the week with more Ravens content. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Lockdown Ravens.